Mediators, international mediators, continuing to work at this hour to extend the truce in Gaza. And uh, it's being reported they have made some headway. There is some optimism that today will not be the last day of the ceasefire, truce, humanitarian pause, whatever you want to call it. Um, They continue to work with Hamas leaders to try and get them to continue to release hostages, and that's the way it works. Hamas releases hostages in exchange for Palestinian prisoners and relief from Israel's air and ground offensive, and it's been going on for a number of days now. Dozens of hostages have been released. Israel says they will maintain the pause as long as the release of hostages continues. So, How long will this go and uh, what can we expect? We're going to speak now with retired Major General Dennis Thompson, who is a fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute at the University of Manitoba's Centre for Defence and Security Studies. Uh, Mr. Thompson, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate your time. Yes, good morning, Shay. Uh, well, one of the things that stands out to me about this story that's out this morning is the fact that we're talking about Hamas leadership, negotiating with them despite six weeks of you know, deadly, destructive operations from Israel. Hamas appears to be functioning, appears to be in control of the situation surrounding the hostages. Is that surprising to you that they're still operating, at least in some capacity? Well, the political arm of Hamas is operating in Qatar is where these negotiations are taking place. And, of course, the military wing is under severe pressure in the northern part of the Gaza Strip. But they they haven't really been that affected in the southern part of the Gaza Strip, where the bulk of the population, sadly, is at the moment. Um, what does it tell us about Israel's ability to eradicate Hamas entirely as promised? Anything? Or, as you said, this is the political arm, and we don't know exactly what's going on with the military arm. Well, I think what's going, what has to happen first is uh, for Israel to uh, understand just how effective they've been is they've got to finish the job in the right. northern part of, the, in, of Gaza. But that hasn't been done yet. They, they still haven't gotten to the core of Gaza City, nor have they taken the Jebeliah uh, refugee camp, which, is, which they uh, claim is where much of the Hamas leadership is. So that has to happen first. And then, of course, the, the operation needs to eventually move on to this, the southern part of the Gaza Strip if they're to stick with their ultimate war aim, which is the complete destruction of Hamas. Um, for Israel, on their side of this equation, we know that Netanyahu and his government were very clearly focused on destroying Hamas right from the onset. I think it was public pressure within Israel saying, hey, you need to work on freeing the hostages. We actually heard people in, you know, in government um, chambers saying, listen, get the hostages out. Don't be so worried about killing uh, Palestinians. Save Israelis. Um, And and that those cries seem to build. So can they, I mean, is it in their analysis, is it important to just continue with this pause or can they even resume operations until they have all the hostages back? What's their calculation look like? Well, first off, we need to recognize that Israel needs to put strategy, pardon me, before emotion, which is sadly not what happened in the first part of this war. Mm-hmm. Can they actually clean out the rest of Hamas? It's, I mean, it's possible, but it would be extremely messy. And at the end of the day, while you might be able to kill the physical representation of Hamas, you can't kill the idea. And although Israel, is, from my understanding, the plan is if they, once they do finish in the northern part of the Gaza, if they do continue and go to the southern part where the population is now doubled in size yep. Yep. In, an, in an area that was already densely populated, they plan to move them into an area of the southern part of the Gaza Strip, which is called Al-Mawasi, and it's only about 10 kilometers square. And I, I can't, for the life of me, figure how you can get 2 million 
people into that small space in order to allow the IDF a free hand in the rest of the of the southern Gaza Strip to take on Hamas. So extremely di- difficult uh, situation faced by the IDF. It, no question about it. And, and it extends outside of the borders of Gaza or Israel, for that matter. Um, Joe Biden yesterday, and of course, I mean, what the Americans have to say about this situation carries a lot of weight. We know that, saying that, you know what, once the operations resume, and nobody doubts that they will, he said yesterday they need to be far more precise in their operations, especially if and when they go into the south. So, like you say, that's going to be an entirely new chapter in this, and there's a lot of pressure on Israel to do it differently than what they did in the north. I couldn't agree more. And and, and quite frankly, uh, they would be wise to to follow that advice. The, the issue will be for the Israelis, at least for the Israeli military, is by being more precise and by, and by using less air power, if you will, you're going to put more of the ground soldiers, the infantry soldiers and the special operators on the ground at risk. And that's been the trade-off from the start. Israel has basically said, you know, our soldiers' lives are worth more than, than uh, obviously, a mass fighter, but mm-hmm. also they're not that, they don't appear to be, at least on the surface, that concerned about collateral damage, and hence we have these uh, horrific numbers coming back uh, somewhere in the vicinity of 14,800 Palestinians that are alleged to have been killed so far, and that's without knowing what's under the rubble. So it's not playing uh, in Israel's favor. The narrative is definitely working against them, and eventually Hamas is, is going to be painted as a victim rather than the attackers and the terrorists that they were on the 7th of October. Uh, in that sense, the longer this humanitarian pause continues, who benefits? Ultimately, um, which side of this conflict is um, in a better position the longer this goes? I would think Hamas, I mean, just in terms of that sentiment building and an opportunity to regroup, right? I mean, they've been under a full-out siege for six weeks. You're absolutely right. Hamas is the principal beneficiary. However, uh, I don't believe that Israel could have continued on in their previous their previous form because of the pressure they were receiving from the Israeli public. Not just, <clears throat> pardon me, not just the fact that that uh, Mr. Biden and other world leaders were putting pressure on Israel to take a lighter touch, uh, but also that the citizens of Israel wanted the most vulnerable of their hostages back in uh, before the campaign got way out of hand. And, and I think uh, to that end, uh, while it's great that some hostages have been released, it's clearly given a lot of time for Hamas to regroup and reset their defenses and prepare for the next stage of the IDF's operation. One last one for you. Um, there was always a risk of a broader conflict, and we saw you know, some skirmishes in the north with uh, Lebanese and, and Hezbollah, things like that. Um, are, are those? We don't hear as much talk about that, at least as this humanitarian pause has gone. Where, where is the risk of this um, conflict becoming something broader than what we've seen already? There's been a risk, or at least a, a threat posed by the, the existence of Hezbollah in the, in the southern part of Lebanon, northern part of uh, Israel. Uh, and they are at least an order of magnitude stronger than Hamas, and that would be very difficult for Israel to handle. But the real threat of escalation is not uh, it, it, that far away. It's in the West Bank. Yeah, uh, you're probably aware of a raid that was mounted by the uh, by the Israeli forces uh, last evening in Jenin, which is in the northern part of the West Bank, that killed a, at least they claim killed two senior leaders, but also caused other casualties. And, and it's it's where this conflict started really. In the first instance, uh, before 7th of October, things were very hot in the West Bank, and and I think that that's going to present Israel with even more difficulties uh, 
uh, in the coming days, maybe not as severe as what they're fight- the fighting in Gaza, but certainly an area where escalation is, is definitely possible. Retired Major General Dennis Thompson, thank you so much for being here today. Great insight. Really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Shay.